Hi, I'm John Eno. And I'm Ivalice Crespo. Welcome to the Reed Smith Podcast, Inclusivity Included, powerful personal stories. In each episode of this podcast, our guests will share their personal stories, passions, and challenges, past and present, all with a goal of bringing people together and learning more about others. You might be surprised by what we all have in common, inclusivity included. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Inclusivity Included. I am your host, Ivalice Crespo, and I'm joined today by our co-host, Barik Barkawi. Barik is Reed Smith's DEI Talent Development Analyst. So welcome, Barik. So happy to have you join us today. Thank you so much, Ivalice. I'm excited to be here. We are joined today by Pariti Sutaria, a graduate student at Rutgers School of Business, pursuing her MBA with a concentration in marketing. She graduated this year with a Bachelor of Science in Management, Statistics, and Leadership. Pariti is also the organizer of TEDx Camden, which brings annual TEDx talk conferences to the city of Camden to share ideas worth spreading within the local community and beyond. The TEDx talks and performances organized by Pariti and her team have garnered millions of views on TED.com and YouTube, making a significant impact on a global scale. As an immigrant and first-generation student, Pariti is deeply committed to advocacy and activism with a particular focus on gender equity, anti-colonialism, and racial justice. In her free time, Pariti is a Mendy and Henna artist who loves designing and doing traditional hand art. Welcome, Pariti. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here today. Of course. We are excited to kick this off and discuss more of your experiences as a TEDx Camden organizer. So I'm going to start with what inspired you to become involved in organizing TEDx events? Yeah, I would say, honestly, the city of Camden. I really care about TEDx talks and I've always watched them ever since I was young. And I feel so inspired and and I want to do like innovative work every time I hear different TEDx talks or TED talks. And since then, I've always had a goal of, you know, attending a TED conference. And when I started college, I realized like, hey, I can put together TEDx conferences myself. And so through a licensing process TED has, uh, I was able to gain an organizer license to organize TEDx talks for the city. And now that's what we do. And I love bringing innovative and inspiring work and speakers and performers to Camden. Um, And then also to kind of shed a global light on Camden, the city, what it has to offer from its community, art, culture, its people. Uh, So people could also see Camden in a new light, um, maybe past its stereotypes. Absolutely. I really appreciate that. You know, as I shared with you before we uh, started recording this this episode, and I'm I'm a Camden native, I'm really proud of where I grew up. um, And I'm happy to see that so many great things are happening in the city. And I think you know, dispelling a lot of those stereotypes is incredibly important, uh, especially, you know, given that there is so much promise in the city and people sometimes will often overlook that. So really appreciate the work that you do. You know, like anything that is a privilege to do, I think it's it's all about access, right? Uh, and so oftentimes you'll see that, you know, people who, who, who take advantage of opportunities are the people who have those opportunities to begin with. And so I'm curious for you, for those that may not be familiar, could you briefly explain, you know, what the process, what a TEDx is? Yeah. So TED National has uh, a licensing process called TEDx, where they offer individual communities, whether it be universities or cities, the chance to apply for a license and ultimately put together independently organized TED events in their own space. So 
it's individual communities that are putting together, you know, TED-like experiences, those conferences for their city, for their university, whatever their community it is that they received a license for. But then those talks are being produced the same way as TED Talks would, as TEDx Talks. And then those TED Talks then get posted on TED.com, on TEDx YouTube, and whatnot. Very cool. We're going to actually dive into it a little bit about how to organize an actual TEDx event. Uh, But before we get into that, I wanted to discuss a little bit more about speaker selection, because a lot of people, I've heard so many people say, it's on my bucket list. I want to be a TEDx speaker. (laughs) So just to, to get our audience kind of excited about the topics at hand, how does one go about becoming a TEDx speaker? And what is the process actually like? Yeah, so there's different ways because there's thousands of TEDx's all over the world. So every selection process looks a little bit different based on where you apply, just because every TEDx is individually organized. And and so it, it looks different. Ultimately, they are being produced as TEDx talks. So the criteria is relatively the same. And then the process of, of the talk being produced is still the same. However, the selection process does look a little bit different from organization to organization. For us, it's pretty rigorous, I would say. We have a a very heavy curated process as well as the criteria for like what a TEDx talk is, what it isn't, what we want to put on our stage. So I'm happy to kind of dive into that. But TEDx talks are accessible all over. So if if you are able to like access Google, I would I would Google TED.com slash events. And then that has a list of TEDx's coming up every every month, every, you know, basically the ones that are lined up and you're able to like apply to any. Okay. That's really good to know. The next question, actually, since we talked about it briefly, so let's speak about TEDx Camden specifically. Um, So what are the specific qualifications and criteria that potential TEDx speakers should meet? I know you said it's a rigorous process. So what, what would that look like for TEDx Camden? Yeah. So I can go into the speaker selection process in terms of like what our criteria is for what we want a TEDx talk to be. I think speakers-wise, sure. um, that we have no criteria, like no age, no gender, no race, like nothing. We are completely and solely looking at the idea we're spreading when we look at applications coming in. So you can be anyone from anywhere and apply. There is no limit or or any guidelines as to like who the qualifications you need to give a TEDx talk. There are none. You can apply with your idea, and the idea is your you know credibility. And so if it's, I know we mentioned before about the TEDx event. Now I know that there are sometimes you have themes. How do you select a theme for your event? And I'm sure that that's what's going to drive certain speakers to want to apply. Yeah. So the goal with themes is that we want them to be super broad and broad enough so that anyone applying can, with whatever topic, can say something under that theme. So that is also required to us by TED where themes are super, super broad. Uh, and so anyone who's applying isn't deterred to apply just because of the theme. The theme can be so far. So our very first conference, our theme was brand new ending. Um, recently, our theme was unanswered. And the theme coming up for our conference is Invincible from, you know, the notion of Camden Invincible. But so these themes are super broad. And the goal is that anyone from any topic, any expertise can speak on some part uh, of it to and relate through that theme. So anyone can speak on, you know, business or mental health or tech or um, healthcare and still speak on an invincible part of whatever topic that they're speaking on, whatever idea that they're giving. 
same thing with like unanswered they can bring something unanswered to whatever topic that they're you know bringing on stage so the goal is to have a theme that is super super broad um so anyone on any topic can can speak on it and so we you know aim to do the same and the theme we try at least to make it cater to our community so since this is um tedx camden this year the theme is invincible just you know in spirit of camden yeah i love that absolutely i love that as well given that it's on the side of our um city hall <laughs> in particular i think that's a really neat tie-in well there's a quote about invisibility on the side of our mm-hmm. city hall yeah. so i think that's a really unique tie into the city i guess for me one of the things that i'm most curious about obviously you get a lot of people who are interested in yeah. participating in a ted talk and not everyone is going to have a story that you know is going to match the theme or a story that is 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 carefully curated enough to get accepted. Yeah. And so I guess for you, from your experience, being on the administrative side of things and seeing all these proposals come in, can you share any tips or insights on crafting a compelling TEDx proposal? Yeah, of course. So we, you know, this year got over 300 applications and we're choosing eight. So you can imagine like the curation process of what that entails because we have to like hone in. And I guess the one thing I retell everyone to really look at um, when they when they apply is to really, really ensure that whatever they're applying with their idea at its core is an idea worth spreading. It's something new and innovative. Ultimately, you know, I there's there's just so many ideas out there. But to bring something that is challenging and proactive, that you know, really inspires people to either live differently, do differently, or think differently is is hard, you know, it's challenging. And so we look at ideas that can do that, that are unheard of, or or bringing like a compelling twist um, to maybe a basic argument. But ultimately, for us, it's making sure that the idea isn't a motivational speech or a hero's journey story, or a research lecture, like all of those things are not for the TEDx stage, but they're great, but not for the TEDx stage. For us, it is you know, curious journey that a speaker is posing through an idea that is challenging and proactive at its core. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's that's really great to hear uh, and things that we can keep in mind, too, as we're even looking at proposals internally for speakers and the like. So thank you for sharing that insight. Transitioning to the speaker experience, I actually had a, a friend of mine who did a TEDx talk and he wrote an article on how stressful it could be to be a TEDx speaker. Um, you know, no one actually thinks like, oh, I want to get selected, but the actual process is to memorize your entire script and to have the great flow and to have it be so natural and spontaneous. I think that was the word he used. Um, so what what are some of the key benefits and challenges that a TEDx speaker typically encounters? I'll start with benefits. <laughs> I would say, you know, everyone that's done a TEDx talk has told me, like, it's a life-changing experience. You know, ultimately, it is on people's bucket lists. And they often say, like, their writing and curation and critical thinking process changed after, like, their TEDx talk. Because at least for for us, you know, we have heavy like six month curation. So they apply with an idea and then we dive into that idea and curating it and, you know, executing delivery. There's the whole like delivery side of things. But before that, there's the whole like the content side of things, like what it is that you're putting out into the world and making it ready for the TEDx stage. So benefits wise, I would say the number one thing we see is the global visibility. Ultimately, when you are 
doing a TEDx talk, it's ensuring that it is going to be seen by so many people that are TEDx fans that watch TED Talks that, you know, love ideas worth spreading. So when you do a TEDx talk, it is you sharing an idea to an international audience. And that in itself is very amazing, I would say. And the, the key benefit to why most people apply in the first place, in the first place, it's because they want their idea to reach a global audience and because they think that the idea is worth spreading to a global audience. And then challenges wise, I think the biggest one, as you mentioned, is the curation piece of it. It's getting ready for the talk, the execution of it, because it's such a long process. I think the tension builds up with time. You know, it's not like you get chosen and then you're giving the TEDx talk the next day. It's like your your initial idea was just chosen and now you have to create this TEDx talk and then execute it. So it is a long process of curation and and, and work and script writing, um, critical thinking. We have a heavy feedback process, like just constant back and forth for the first two months. Our conference cycle runs generally from like May to March of two years, basically, I would say. So this year, like May 2023 to March 2024. The conference, our conferences happen in January, um, but there's like post-production work we have to do. So March for us, but generally conferences are in January. Um, we start the speaker selection process in May. Speakers are selected by August and then like September, October, November, December, January is just curation for these speakers so you know the first two months is literally just feedback like change this change that heavy focus on this bring nuance to that so it's a lot um and then it's like memorizing it working with your speaker coach to deliver it in a way that's compelling that brings the audience in and relays and articulates your idea at the center of your talk that's the number one thing it's like you want the talk to be about the idea and not you and that's the thing. This the talk isn't going to be about the speaker, and that's what makes a TEDx talk a TED, for the TEDx stage. That the their entire talk has to be about their idea, and and you know articulated every single thing at the center should be the idea that you're spreading. Um, and to do that, you know, on a stage is is a lot. So I think it's it's it is really a challenging process, but the benefit is that whatever you end up saying, it's it's reaching an international stage, and it, it is changing people's lives. So I think that's. That's the ultimate, like, yay. <laughs> That's amazing. And and I, I really love what you said there. I think it's easy to get up and talk about yourself for X amount of time. But when you remove yourself from the equation and you have to talk about your idea, I think that that's a lot harder for people to do. So I appreciate that it's a really long process and that people get a lot of feedback along the way. I think that that's certainly probably helpful for a lot of people. For me, I guess, one of the things I'm curious about, I mean, look, I, you know, as someone who does this work, I've, I've seen a lot of presentations. I've seen a lot of speakers, some more compelling than others, but you get a unique experience of looking at some of the best speakers, you know, on, in this, on this coast. And so for me, I guess, I'd like to know if you could describe it's a memorable or impactful TEDx talk that you've organized and what made it stand out for you. Yeah. I guess this this answer will be perfect to what we always say, which is that, you know, your public speaking skills can be developed, but what matters is your idea. And once again, even right now, we've produced what, like so many TEDx talks by now, but one idea that still sticks with me because it was so innovative 
was by uh, Sinead Bowell. Not to say she's not a great speaker. She's a great public speaker. But it was her idea that, you know, so so is everyone that applies to TEDx. They're great public speakers. So we, you know, don't really have to worry about the speaking piece of it. We're not worried that they might be a bad speaker because when you're applying to a TEDx talk, it's generally not your first speaking experience. It's more so the idea. And and by profession, she's a futurist. And her idea, this, this was a couple of years ago. I think it's a lot more relevant now and a lot more seen now. But a couple of years ago, I was like mind blown uh, because she talked about uh, robotic cultural appropriation. And how, you know, digital avatars are being like racially appropriated in, in today's digital age and what that looks like and, and next steps for it. And I, I just thought that was such an amazing talk because we see, you know, we're entering, not entering, we are in the technological age. And we see more and more different things every day and to talk about it in, in, in that space and, and what she was posing, I would, you know, recommend everyone check out her talk. It's on our um, TEDx Camden uh, YouTube as well as TEDx YouTube and on, and on TED.com. But I think that's a talk that really does stand out to me. That's a, I actually am going to go back and watch that one because that sounds like a really interesting topic. Not something I considered, but once you said the topic, I was like, oh, I was like, that that's something that I'd, I definitely want to check out, especially in this day and age. I feel like that's, yeah, the digital era is just like fastly moving and we have to kind of keep up and make sure that we remove biases as much as we can. So my next question actually is going to be about hosting the TEDx event. We touched on it briefly in the beginning. Um, you talked about getting a license in order to organize an event. So can you walk us through some of the essential steps? It doesn't have to be everything, but what are some of those essential steps involved in organizing such yeah. an event? So we have teams in marketing, finance, logistics, curation, and technology, although our technology team kind of like just partners with marketing. Um, and so those are our like core groups and these groups ultimately, you know, come together to execute the conference, but individually they work on their, their own, I would say tasks every week. So finance has its own timeline because we are completely funding this conference of $50,000 every year that we have to fundraise from scratch every year. So we have our own process of, you know, reaching out to stakeholders in the city, small businesses, corporations, and and fundraising for this event. So that that starts as soon as our conference cycle starts in May of the year before the conference, right into like November. By November, which is like two months before the conference, we aim to have all the funds that we need in order to execute it. And that money goes into videography, stage design, uh, speaker accommodations, and just everything that a conference entails. Then we have marketing. Now that timeline is a little bit later that I would say we start September and and kind of raise a lot of like hype for the conference. And by December, it's like a lot of marketing for the conference because we want as many people to, you know, come out to reach Camden residents, to reach local residents for like the live audience. And then we also live stream the conference. So we want to reach an international audience. So just a lot of marketing that goes into it, um, as well as marketing our speakers, their ideas. Logistics-wise, it's from September as well into into January because we work with our venue and our production team, kind of get ready for the heavy, you know, curation that TED provides on on curating a conference with certain cameras, with certain lighting, with, on, with a certain stage. We have to create our TEDx Camden letters. So overall, just a lot of logistics that go in with the venue. 
And then last but not least is the curation process, which is the longest process, as I previously shared, that goes from from May all the way up to January, um, where we select speakers through two rounds. Um, and then final speakers, as well as final performers, get plenty of time to get ready for their talk. And then post-production is, I would say, around two months as we, you know, the talks get filmed and edited, but then we have to send them to TED. Uh, before the we send them to TED, or before the talks are even executed, we fact-check the talks through coaches we have. So it's just a lot that goes into it, but these teams do their you know own work and then come together to execute this final conference every year. Well, thank you for that. I guess, you know, this is uh, the podcast title is Inclusivity Included, Powerful Personal Stories. And so for us, you know, one of the priorities we have is we like to showcase different stories from people from diverse backgrounds. And I know that's a consideration that you folks take into account when you're when you're selecting speakers. So uh, from, from, from your perspective, how do you go about creating an inclusive and diverse lineup of speakers? One of the easiest ways to do that is by ensuring that we have a variety of different topics at our conference, because that also ensures a variety in audience, a variety in speakers. Because if we have different topics that are, you know, from people from completely different walks of life, then we are having a conference that has so many different topics that anyone uh, attending can gain something out of it from the variety of performers and speakers. So the number one thing we ensure is that we have a, like a stark variety in, in what, what it is that we are putting out into the conference. Every talk is between like five to 15 minutes. Generally, most talks are 10 minutes. And every conference has so far had like around 10 speakers and like two to four performers. And so every talk has been on a topic that is completely different. So it's like 10 completely different topics. From, from mental health to nutrition and wellness to business to tech to healthcare, like just co- completely different topics. And then we also make sure, and this is given to us by TED, that we are catering our talks to our local community. So what it is that we're putting out does benefit Camden before it benefits the world. Uh, kind of like putting that on your mask before you worry about putting other people putting on their mask kind of thing where it's like we're not firstly we're not worried about the global audience we're worried about Camden so it's like will this talk um, and what the idea that is being spread benefit Camden the people of Camden the residents that live in Camden what Camden represents who Camden represents we never want to be tone deaf so like yes a talk about maybe a talk about like nutrition and wellness on like a privileged platform might look good for another city. But for TEDx Camden, we're, you know, not putting out a talk that talks about something that our, you know, residents would feel not accessible at all for the city. So we never want to be tone deaf in that sense. So because of that, we ensure that whatever the talks that we're putting out, if they kind of address and innovate on a local level, we know they will also innovate on a global scale because anyone watching those talks on a on local level, if they feel inspired, then on a global level, it's like guaranteed that they will just because of the way Camden is and our city is. So that's like another way we make sure that that we're you know doing the right work is by making sure like, hey, will this talk benefit Camden? Will Camden residents want to watch this talk or see this talk? 
And then if the answer is yes, then we move on. Like, okay, and then what about a global scale? Like, will an international um, audience benefit from this talk? I think that's a great point. You know, I, I still remember, as I mentioned, I'm a Canada native. I still remember I went to see someone speak one time and they made a comment because they were late to coming to the stage and they made a comment about how they took a wrong turn. And they said, you know, I ended up in a place in Camden that you never want to end up in. And the audience kind of awkwardly laughed, but like me as someone who's a native and didn't, you know, is from the city, I certainly remember how I felt and I was more mad than I was, you know, laughing at, at this kind of joke. And, but I think it's important to be respectful and realize who your audience is because at the end of the day, you're there to service the community. I was actually going to say, I love the fact that you you always approach it from the lens of Camden and the people of Camden and how you make it so accessible and relatable to the people there. Like, I like that's your priority and that's what you kind of use to navigate the TEDx conference and as you organize it, which is really uh, powerful. Um, as we get close to wrapping up, I did have a question for you, Pariti. Uh, can you offer any advice or encouragement to individuals who aspire to become either TEDx speakers or TEDx organizers, whether, you know, what skills and qualities uh, should they work on or strive for? And would love to hear what you think is is something of value as people kind of partake in that journey. Yeah. So for TEDx speakers, I would say, as I've said maybe too many times throughout this podcast, is that they should solely focus on their idea word spreading, that the, that the work that they're putting out, that the idea that they're presenting is something, one, that is like super clear and focused you know, this talk isn't an hour long, it's going to be like 10 minutes long. And they can't jam pack it with like 10 different things they want to say it has to be like one specific idea. That's like articulated well, you know, can be taken well from an audience and is innovative, it it, it inspires, but it's also challenging and proactive. And it's really challenging people basically to leave the space being like, "Hmm, I didn't think about it this way, or like, now I'm going to change the way I think about this or, or live in this way or or do in this way so that's definitely the ultimate thing for TEDx speakers another thing I think people often overlook as a speaker is like the timeless piece of talks like we want the TEDx talks and you know TED talks to be timeless meaning people can watch it five years later ten years later and still get value from the talk so often if people apply with things that only cater to now in the sense of something that's happening right now it's it's like we need something more out of it because it's like, okay, but someone watches it next year, why would they care? So that's another thing where it's like an idea worth spreading has to really be an idea worth spreading for any audience, for any anyone, at any time. So I would definitely encourage any anyone looking to give a TEDx talk to really hone in on their on their idea and make sure it's something that is is innovative and new at its core. There are so many examples of that, but like shameless plug, check out the talks that TEDx Camden produces. And as for TEDx organizers, I think this is a lot more challenging because as an organizer, it's just countless hours and hours and hours of like volunteer work, a literal like bloodshed tears and like just there's just so much I would say that goes into organizing a TEDx event that I wouldn't do it just because like I would only do it if anyone's interested in being an organizer if you're super passionate either about you know ideas about TED talks or about bringing something to your community that you know will 
you know, bring a positive light to the community or, or change the way people think or bring innovative speakers or performers to your stage. Like, there's a lot of reasons, um, but I would say, like, choose organizing for the right reasons because otherwise the process is, like, not worth it at all. Like, if you're not passionate about about TED Talks or, or innovative ideas or, you know, what you're putting out into the community, I think anything else will just feel like a chore and, it, like, you will not be putting on a high-quality event at all. Or, or benefiting anyone from the talks that are being produced if it's not something you, you feel passionate about. So I would say to anyone interested in organizing or, you know, any organizing teams out there to really, really, really want to do it. Because, like, if you want to, then it will happen. Because, once again, like, the first example is, like, I started from scratch. I, I didn't even know that I could put together TEDx events. And we found a way in Camden with, like, zero dollars. Um <laughs> So now, like, where we are, it's, like, once you, if you have, like, the passion for it and the drive for it, like, the work will show up for itself uh, because you'll be putting in what, what's needed to organize this event. But otherwise, it's, it's honestly not worth it if, if, it, if, it's, if it's not something you truly feel passionate about because it is just so much. It's, it's just a lot. Thank you for that insight, you know, and we really appreciate you joining us. Um, we know that, you know, you're very busy. I'm sure you have a lot on your plate, but we really appreciate you coming and, and sharing your story and also advising and giving advice to people who may be thinking about, hey, I one day want to get this off my bucket list. So again, thank you so much. We really enjoyed having you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Feel free to reach out on LinkedIn or check out our work at tedxcamden.org. Thank you so much. Inclusivity Included is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Allie McArdle. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and ReedSmith.com. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.